no piece of film written for sound. That, that's the big difference. It's part of the whole structure of the script and the telling of the story is that you are sitting there as an audience and you're experiencing things alongside the characters and the information you're getting is not always through words. It's often the sound that you're hearing. A lot of sound elements are baked into my script because there's no cinematic moment that isn't leveraging some piece of sound artistry. That's what makes movies work is when, when it's all coming together. Jordan Peele is a director who completely understands how to use sound and he understands how to write it and how to direct it. So Nope's a film where we wanted to make an immersive environment. I do think in terms of sound and visual and dialogue, you know, when I w had this script and I brought it to Johnny, you know, I really felt like, okay, I've got you something that you can take and run. This is your movie, Johnny. And so I was very thankful he said, yeah. With this UFO, with this saucer, I wanted to depict it primarily with what we don't see. Take a page from the Jaws theory. So when I started talking with Johnny, we immediately started talking about all the ways you could sense that a something of that size that has mastery of the sky like that. All the ways that without seeing it, you could sense that it's there. And he immediately revealed that he had an arsenal of wind sounds already recorded. So when I first started working on Note, sent Jordan this uh, selection of 10 different wind sounds that might describe how we'd be hearing Jean Jacket at various different points in time throughout the film. But what we found really interesting uh, with Note was that you could actually paint on wind. Wind is, is such a kind of white noise, blank canvas, that if you use EQ frequencies, if you, if you boost that sound at particular musical frequencies, you can start to make the sound more interesting. It could be horror, emotional, upbeat, like, you know, so you can start to, to use wind more as an emotion. Fixed it, yeah, I'm walking. You hear that? I felt very strongly if I could convince an audience they were in the presence of an unknown, unidentified flying object for real. Well, that, that would be a worthy cinematic experience that they would have to come in. Hot. That would become the signature sound of this ship, this saucer, would be the wind and elemental effects that it has on the protagonist or on the subject. You know, there I was reading something that is almost like a dream come true. It's a... Uh, a script that not only has sound in it as a written word often, it also has many an adjective before that word sound that will describe how the sound's used. And that's a, a real telltale sign that the script is fundamentally using sound as part of the narrative. I think I was on for about nine months before shooting started. That was when we kind of first started talking about the development of, of the script and, and how the soundscape would work. 
we started very early. So like I say, I was able to coordinate with him, myself and the other departments, all these little hints as we're growing nearer to ultimately what would, would become a very unique soundscape for a, a unique film and one that attempts at some of the immersion that the great Close Encounters of the Third Kind have has, for example, and really changed the way we think about sound. first time we're aware of Jean Jacket is hearing a scream from above and we're sitting there and we're experiencing it alongside Daniel's character OJ. He knows full well that he's heard a scream, but he's doubting himself because how absurd would it have been that that actually happened? One of the things that I learned about the process from this film and from Johnny is how much restraint is necessary. And Johnny really introduced a, a sense of mastery of what to point an audience to how, to, how to highlight the right things, and sometimes even silence. To a big extent, Nope is a film where you're hearing the unseen. So the Clover sequence begins with OJ going out to the barn at night because he senses something's wrong. And initially we did try it with score, but we found that there was enough in the scythe-like searing sound of the sprinklers and the generator hum but there was enough in the environment to give us a real sense of fear and tension Although that would traditionally be the role of music, here in Note we found that if you can create that immersion with sound design and diegetic sound, then that immersion is so much deeper for the viewer because they are responding directly to emotions that they are feeling as a raw experience rather than intellectualising a piece of music. So we wanted to create a world where you were as scared as OJ and then laughing your socks off in fear when you realise actually it's not what you thought it was. You know, one of uh, Johnny Byrne's strengths is that he is a master of subjectivity, which is what I love in, in film and storytelling as well is this idea that we really can suspend belief and believe we are someone else.
if it's done right, if the performance and all these elements come together, Johnny's ability to really help me along in my journey at, at making these films really put you there with that character. I think just took my whole storytelling up to this whole different level of immersion. So Jean Jacket has five basic sound things going on. One is very much the sound of wind or the disturbance of the environment that you're in. The notion of silence is something we talked a lot about. And the notion of restraint and how to you know, make sure that in these moments where there's a lot going on, the audience doesn't get lost in the sound of it. In the Clover sequence, it was super important for us as a viewer to not really understand if we were looking at a spaceship or looking at an animal. So yeah, the sounds that we used were a careful blend of trombone, a peacock, me growling, a Moog synthesizer from the 80s and uh, a kazoo. It's in a cloud. It's in a cloud. Uncle Jay! It's in a cloud! Mm -hmm. OJ knows all too well what that means. He's in danger and he starts running. And that's where Michael's score kicks in. Push the foley of OJ's running sounds and enhance his breathing. There was a lot that went in to making that scene work with how Daniel treated the non-verbal sound and how the Foley took us through feeling like we were actually there. So the Gordy sequence is so patient. I mean, we're sitting there with, we're under the table with Duke and the whole scene is from his point of view. And the big challenge was actually in not over-laboring anything and just knowing how much to remove. And the answer was pretty much everything. Jordan knows very well as a writer and a director that he could never put an image in your head that's as scary as the one that your own imagination can conjure up. The key thing that's happening in terms of horror is through incredibly clever use of camera blocking, Jordan allows the audience to imagine that the worst thing possible is happening and they can't even see it, but they're hearing it. 
And the strange truth is that actually what you're listening to is vegetables being snapped and chewed upon. But, you know, there you are thinking, wow, someone's face is being eaten. Jupiter's claim, a star lasso experience, a central scene to the film as it really sort of displays this, this notion that we're powerless uh, against a spectacle. This notion that, you know, when faced with a monster, we're going to ultimately try and sell it. The star lasso experience is different because it's the first time that we actually hear Jean Jacket purposefully making a sound. But now Jean Jacket having just eaten a fake plastic horse, is now slightly upset and has come back. And the challenge here was that we wanted to convey emotion and animal, yet we still wanted there to be this ambiguity that, that this could be a spaceship. It's very important for us that the Jupes claim always had a, an eerie sense to it, that it had an uncanny valley aspect, that there would be a, you know, sort of sweeping Western sensibility that felt like it was from a better time and that that would be sort of pushed through this hot, <laughs> kind of a poorly thought through mom and pop style amusement park on the escorts of uh, the Hollywood dream. Now sit back, stay in your seats, and enjoy the Star Lasso experience. What's interesting is Jean Jacket is a predator, and predators don't make themselves announced in sound unless they want to be heard. We used a blend of various different sounds from brass instruments, synthesizers, human voice, and animal. So here we have Jean Jacket turning up and very much announcing their presence. Cinema's got a few 
good examples of this kind of enormous object manifesting. When we were working on that scene, Jordan said to me, have you seen Close Encounters? And I was like, yeah, I've seen Close Encounters. And so we knew, you know, there's a certain way that, that a, a spaceship can convey power and, you know, and that's to do with all sorts of bassy notes, but also go beyond that and add an element of um, personification to the, to the sound that we were listening to. Because it would be a moment when we're unsure as to the nature of this thing. We chose something of a per-click predatory idea that is not unfamiliar, but that's kind of the point, is to all of a sudden be like, wait a second, is that thing a predator? And uh, so there was, there's so much thought put into it, but we ultimately found these boundaries pretty early, and then it's about making it feel real. had this palette and we knew at the end of it we had to have something kind of spectacular and something new and so the the real question was how to get there and then from there we also we, we knew we needed something that was predatory and this uh, treasure trove of bird sound slowed down that he brought chose a slowed down peacock as this was a moment in this final act when our animal is showing its cryptozoological nature a bit more and connecting to this bird energy of presenting itself as a lure, as a fascinating and so this is something that birds do. It turned out that the peacock has the most unique call of all the animals we looked at and if you slow a peacock down seven octaves you will get jean jacket. My assistant spent quite a lot of time chasing a peacock around a farm and got this uh, amazing recording, the kind of the really long, bassy, guttural blast that you hear in the last 20 minutes of the film is a peacock. And if you slow, if you sped that up, you'd, you'd be hearing... Arr, arr, arr. You know, what I've found in this one is it's not necessarily common for a VFX artist or a cinematographer to be brought a sound, you know, before the film is made or something like this and or during the process and be told this is the thing. But what I found is when you do that, they are so thankful 
that people love getting something concrete to be inspired by. And so, you know, when you can work with someone like Jeremy and, and find these sounds that maybe haven't even existed in film before, and then bring that to your other collaborators and say, what does this do to you? It, it, it's like, um, it's magic. And that was just such an extraordinary experience from start to finish, you know, being involved at such an early stage to, you know, have the honor of talking to Jordan about his script so early on, you know, months before it was shot and to have the opportunity to, to have my notes listened to and become part of the script so that we could use sound to tell the story was really gratifying.